Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm excited that you're joining with us on this great radio station. Now you have this to look forward to in today's message on Hope for the Day. These people in other countries, or even in another neighborhood, or even across the street from us, in a different cubicle, in a different office space, they can't learn about Jesus and what He offers us unless we are willing to tell them. But they can probably figure out that they should live a good life and there's a good God and there might even be a good place if they're just good enough. But no one's good enough. And Jesus, plus anything, isn't gonna get you anywhere. But Jesus, plus nothing, will equal everything. And you have to tell people that. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. Today we will be studying from the book of Colossians in the New Testament. And while we call it a book, it was really a letter originally written to people in a city called Colossae by the Apostle Paul. The reason Paul wrote this letter is because the members of this church were new to the Christian faith and they had many questions. They wanted to know what the gospel was, what they should do with old traditions from their community and faith, and how this newfound faith should impact their lives. The same thing this letter did for those so many years ago, it will do for us today. It will inform us, challenge us, and guide us towards what the gospel really is and how it can impact our lives. Please enjoy the message. When I was younger as a kid, one of the more exciting things, and a grand confession, I had lived a very simple childhood. One of the more exciting things as a kid was when my mom would take me over to the post office. And it was there that we would go to the P.O. box, and it was there that we would receive mail. And I thought one of the coolest things that an adult was able to experience was getting mail because it was always good, at least I thought so. And I thought to myself, I can't wait to be an adult one day when I get to go to the mailbox and I get to go to the P.O. box and I get to get mail that's sent to me. Because it seemed like when my mom received those types of letters and different you know, correspondence from people, it was something that was an answer to a problem that we had. You know, certainly that was the case if she ever received a check for work, but it was also a letter that maybe would encourage us. It was something that was offering us a solution to something that we were sorting out. It, it was general, at least as far as I knew, again, as a young kid, that when that type of a letter came, there was something there for us that would benefit us, that would lift us up. And then I grew older and I realized, hey, it doesn't quite always play out like that. But when you do get one of those letters that's handwritten and there's a card that somebody's sent to you, it's often a message of encouragement. It's often something there that's meant to lift you up. And maybe even in some cases, it's it's answering, it's it's offering you resolution to a problem that you have. And we get to experience that today. And also, in another way, we get to experience that, not just in our day, but also as we look at this letter that was written so many years ago by a man named Paul. And what I imagine that happened in the city of Colossae is these people receive a letter from him. And as they receive this letter, they're beginning to sort through the problems that they have. And and it's a letter that's meant to encourage them as they're being discouraged in their particular time. And people even wonder why it is that Paul would even write a letter to Colossae because it was a very, um, it was a a city that there wasn't necessarily anything special about it. It was actually a city that was on the verge of shutting down, being deserted altogether. And a few decades after this letter was written, there was an earthquake and the city would cease to exist. But it ceased to exist because it was already on the downhill 
It wasn't necessarily a very influential place. But what I envision happening is one day this letter shows up and they, they enroll the scroll and this group of a few dozen people begin to rally around it. They come from different social economic backgrounds. They come from different educational backgrounds. They are different races. In some cases, there are different classes. In some cases, and they're all there trying to figure out what it is that Paul has for them because Christianity was just beginning. It was still messy. Many of the things that we know now, they were still trying to put words to then. And so he sends them this letter. And as he writes this letter to him, one of the primary reasons he writes it is to clarify what the gospel really is, the one true gospel. And it's my opinion that the reason Paul is writing this letter to this particular church that, again, is not very influential. They, they aren't, this isn't the place that people just naturally go to when they're traveling through the countryside. He's writing it to them because they're struggling with something that's his favorite topic to address when you read through his letters, his other epistles to other churches. And the issue that they're having is what exactly is the gospel? What does it mean to really believe in Jesus? How do you know if you're saved? And this church was struggling because there was these outward influences that were coming in and saying, you should have a secret knowledge in addition to this faith in Jesus. You should start having visions and dreams in addition to your faith in Jesus. You should, you know, maybe uh, honor some of these dietary restrictions in light, also in light of your faith in Jesus. And then you really know you're good with God. And so Paul, it jumps all over this and he writes this beautiful letter that over the next eight weeks we are going to be studying this letter of Colossians. And it's there that he again begins to address the gospel. Now you may not know exactly what the gospel is or why it's so significant to Paul. He wrote these words in Romans 1. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. He's saying, I'm not really worried about the people that want to add to the gospel. I know there's a lot of societal pressure to add to what you already believe about Jesus, but I'm not ashamed of what the one true gospel really is because this is what's gonna save you. It is the power of God in your life, my life, and in their lives. And what exactly is the gospel? Well, just a few common themes that we find that Paul touches on and even others touch on in the Bible. It's essentially an unmeetable standard. It's a characteristic of it is it's an unmeetable standard by God that creates sin. And, and, and it's the standard that we will never be able to reach because it's what God has set before us. And because of that, there's a separation from God because of sin. And then that has to be dealt with. And it's dealt with through the atoning death of Jesus for our sin. And then beyond that, there is a resurrection of Jesus to give us hope past the sin And then from there, we have a spiritual rebirth like what we just saw there in baptism, which the old is gone, the new has come to a new life that's characterized by grace and no longer by sin. And these are just some of the slices of the gospel that we have to get. But maybe even to make it more simple for you, this is what it is. It's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And Paul sees this church of faithful people who are struggling with what does it really mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to believe in Jesus when there's people influencing them to add to what it is that they already believe in order to be right with God? But when we don't add to it, it's actually everything begins to fall into place. 
Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope this broadcast is doing just that for you today. You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we would love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. And do you want to know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed by a local church. Because it is here that we met Jesus, and He changed our lives. And we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We'd love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com, for more information. Now let's get back to our program. And so as we look at the first 14 verses of this letter of Colossians, we're going to find what the true gospel can do in our lives. And we're going to look at it from a standpoint of Paul, the people, and prayer, because that's how he outlines it for us in these 14 verses. And so we're going to first start with Paul, the true gospel and him and Paul. And this is what the text says. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, which is an important thing to come back to, and Timothy, who, our brother, who is probably writing this letter as Paul is dictating the letter, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. And so he starts here as an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And then he goes on and he refers to them as brothers and sisters. Did any of you ever grow up in a church where it was Brother Jerry and Sister Susie? A few of you have one of those. They don't find them much. We don't find those much anymore because it sounded a little strange, but it was sweet too, though. It was sweet. And, and he's referring to them as brothers and sisters because that's what we are in Christ. And he says, all of this is happening by the will of God. What did the gospel do for Paul? First thing it did is the gospel, whenever he really grabbed a hold of it, is it changed his ambition. The Bible says, Paul wrote, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He honored the law to the letter. Why? Because he was ambitious. He wanted to be somebody. He wanted to be something. He inevitably, he probably had a goal to be a part of the Sanhedrin, which was the Jewish Supreme Court. He might have even had a goal to be the, a goal to be the chief priest, there in Jerusalem. He was an ambitious person, but his ambition shifted when he became a, a believer in Jesus because it was no longer about what he wanted. It was about what God wanted for him. There's a verse in John 17 that's, I don't know, I wouldn't say it's a life verse for me, but it's one of life verses for me. Maybe it could be a verse for you too. It says this in John 17, that I have brought you glory. This is Jesus praying on earth by finishing the work. And I want to stop there because really that was, up until a couple years ago, that was the only part of this verse that I really focused on. It's been said in life that there are competitors and there are completers. And maybe you can land in one of those categories. For years, I was for sure a competitor. I compete, compete, compete. It's all about winning. But then inevitably, what I found is my body doesn't keep up with that, especially as it relates to sports activities. So I had to transition to not trying to win the race. I just need to finish the race. And so it's about completing. And when I think about this, my ambition became to complete the work, to complete my plan. You, many of you are planners. 
And if you're like me, one of the most frustrating things that can happen to you in a day is for your plan to get messed up and your schedule to get thrown off. That's our ambition. And we hold on to those plans really tight. And we're meant to finish the work. And then a few years ago, this changed for me. That you gave me. I bet some of you are pretty stressed out right now. I, just, I, I think I could probably bet that many of you are struggling with that. And my guess is there's probably a lot of stress because you're overcommitted. And what you've got going on in your life is you've got the work that God wants you to do that you might have a little sense of, and then you have the work you want to do. And let me tell you something for you and for me, is that God has given us more than enough time to do the work that we want to do or that God wants us to do. But he hasn't given us enough time to do everything we want to do and he wants us to do. And if we aren't careful, he'll start shutting doors in our lives and we'll start pounding those doors down to get our plans through. And all the while we forget about what it is that he wants us to do. And what does he want you to do? It's not hard. He wants you to tell people about Jesus. The Jesus you believe in. The Jesus that changed your life. I mean, isn't that the least that we can do? He wants us to help the hurting. He wants us to serve and to help at our church so stories like the one we just learned about can continue to happen. He wants us to be a part of things like a meal packing that we're going to have at the end of uh, the second service where we send 40,000 meals off to Haiti. That's the work he wants us to do, and he gives us so much time to do it. He wants us to raise our children up in the Lord and to influence our grandchildren for Christ. He has work for you to do, and the challenge for you is to do it, but we have to let our ambition be redeemed for that to happen. The second thing that we see there about Paul and the gospel is the gospel changed how Paul related to people. I mean, you may know this, but if you don't, he was a persecutor of the church, he put people in their place. He was judgmental. He was better. They were worse. And some would even speculate that the reason that Paul is writing this letter is actually to get something from these people. Well, in Romans, or I'm sorry, in Corinthians, this is what Paul, how Paul described himself. For he says, I'm the least of the apostles. And that would have been one of the furthest things from Paul's mouth years before meeting Christ. But now he says, I'm one of the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. And the gospel has changed the way that he relates to people now, that he went from somebody who persecuted the church to now somebody who's loving and expanding God's kingdom. Uh, you know, let me say it like this. Again, people think, commentators think, that Paul wrote this letter and he's starting with these very fluffy words, to the faithful followers of Jesus in Colossae. They think that he wrote that just he's softening them up with his introduction to get something from them. He's softening them up so he can come in really heavy with criticism. Do you know people like that? I know people like that. It, and what happens is, is I think there's categories and so you have this first category that sort of that somebody will use a technique on you to get something from you. And if you pick it up like oh you're being nice you're being complimentary it's that Odesop fable where the you may not know this, where the monkey tricks the cat into knocking the chestnut out of the fire and the, he's just complimenting the cat in order to get the chestnut for himself. It's an, old, it's an old fable that's out there. 
But we deal with people like that. Yeah, they're nice and they're super respectful, but it's to get something. It's to come in hard in some way on us. And then there's another category that I would like to think I mainly land in, and that's my heart's not always in it to be nice, to be kind, to serve, but you know what? That's what Jesus has called me to, and so I'm going to do it. And then there's another category that's just people just overflow with love of Jesus, and they're always going to they're always going to start out with like, man, how great and how encouraging and they're, how they, they're just trying, how great you are, how they want to encourage you and lift you up because they love Jesus and they know how much Jesus has loved them and they aren't trying to get anything from you. They don't have an agenda. They're not trying to manipulate. And this is where Paul is at. He doesn't relate to people like he's judgmental or he's trying to get something from them. He relates to them from a standpoint of, I see what God has done for me and now I want to lift you up as well. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. I know it has been to others. I recently received a message from a listener of ours who said, Thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. It is encouraging and refreshing to hear biblical-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. This is one of the several notes that I've received from people that are blessed by our program. That is why we want to continue this program on the radio, but that can only happen through the generous contributions of listeners like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website, valleyviewcc.com, and then click on the gift tab there. Once you click on the tab, just designated gift to go to the radio ministry of Hope for the Day. Your gift would be an incredible blessing to this ministry. And as always, we want to meet you personally as well. That is why if you live in the Denver metropolitan area, we want to extend an invitation to you to visit us in person at one of our Sunday services, 9 and 10.30 a.m., if you do, please introduce yourself to me, Philip Holland. I'd love to meet you. Now let's get back to the program. The true gospel then has changed his life. The true gospel and the people of God in Colossae and the people who are us. This is what he continues on with. We always thank God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel, the true message of the gospel that has come to you. So what Paul is doing here is right here, he's making this connection with the way that they live their life in heaven. And the God, how the gospel has made that happen. And he goes on. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. And so where we started in this passage is about heaven. The gospel changes the impact that heaven has on your life. Does heaven impact your life? Do all the benefits of heaven impact your life? For many of us, heaven isn't something that we think about until we're 70 or 80. Or when it randomly may pop up in a Bible study you may be a part of. How does it change the way you live your life? For many of us, not enough. I got a couple questions here for you. What is waiting for you in heaven? The Bible continually speaks of rewards that are there. Often when we sacrifice for God, we sacrifice the here and the now and the temporary to have more of the eternal that we get to experience for him. What's waiting for you in heaven? Does that even cross your mind? It doesn't cross my mind enough. 
How about this? Who is waiting for you in, in heaven? Who will you be waiting in heaven to arrive? Who will you be waiting for in heaven to arrive? Who, who is that going to be for you? Are there people that you're telling, about, telling them about Jesus that otherwise wouldn't be there if you hadn't said something to them about Jesus? That's what Epaphras was for this church, that he had shared the gospel with them. He's going to pass on at some point, and he's going to be waiting at the gates of heaven for many of them to arrive. Who is waiting there? Who is waiting for you to arrive, and who are you going to be waiting for to arrive in heaven? And so the people have been impacted by the gospel in that way. Another way they've been impacted is it changes your perspective of the world. And what do I mean by that? Well, he said that the, the gospel is bearing fruit throughout the world, everywhere. And there's this interesting thing about the gospel. You can't figure it out unless somebody tells you. Romans chapter 10 says it this way, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Faith comes from hearing the message. You can come up with some things on your own. You could come up with the fact that, you know, there's probably a good God and I should probably live a good life. And you could probably figure out what mostly that good life should look like. And then you would probably deduce in your mind, if I'm just good enough, then I could probably go and experience a good place with this good God when I die. You, you could probably figure that out on your own. People, people have been doing it for centuries. That's essentially what every other religion in the world offers you. But what you couldn't figure out on your own is that 2,000 years ago, God loved you so much that he sent his one and only son into this world. He was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect life for 33 years. He died on a cross. Three days later, he rose from the grave again. And he did all of that to atone for your sins, to make you right with God, to give you a past that's forgiven, a purpose for living, a place in heaven. You can't figure that out unless someone tells you. And so now all of a sudden, we look at the world differently. Because the gospel demands for that. Because these people in other countries can't learn about Jesus unless somebody tells them. These people in other countries can't learn about Jesus unless there's people here willing to love them enough to do something like pack a meal or whatever it may be. These people in other countries or even in another neighborhood or even across the street from us in a different cubicle, in a different office space, they can't learn about Jesus and what he offers us unless we are willing to tell them but they can probably figure out that they should live a good life and there's a good God and there might even be a good place if they're just good enough. But no one's good enough. And Jesus, plus anything, isn't gonna get you anywhere. But Jesus, plus nothing, will equal everything. And you have to tell people that. And so these people's lives were changed by that man Epaphras because the gospel was shared with them. And then the text goes on. And for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. Look at what, how Paul prays here. Through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, 
being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. What a prayer. That's incredible, the way that he is praying. And you know why he's praying like that? Because his prayers have been transformed by the true gospel. The gospel changes the way you view God's will as you pray. First John says this, this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. We spend a lot of time trying to figure out what God's will is for our life, don't we? We, we will ask that question, God, what is your will for my life? What I've realized though, is that that is not a gospel transformed prayer. That is a us at the center prayer that we pray because we haven't matured enough to realize that it's not all about us. So we pray, God, what is, what is your will for my life, for, for my marriage, for, um, you know, maybe like a house that we're gonna buy or a vacation that we're gonna take or a job that we may pursue. But what if we prayed instead of, God, what is your will for my life? We just said, God, what's your will? And how can my life fulfill it? To learn more about this sermon, sermon series, or other messages, please visit our church's website at valleyviewcc.com. You can also find these radio segments on the Hope for the Day, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Valley View Christian Church is located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85, Santa Fe. We provide services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. This broadcast is made possible through generous contributions of listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to our church's website and then click on the gift tab there. We look forward to having you join us again next time on Hope for the Day.